Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we are going to hear from Reed Carruthers, Manitoba curler, on his new squad. And we'll hear from Tanya McKay as well, who has decided to move back home after more than 25 years as coach of the Westman women's basketball team. That's coming up on the podcast. Big curling news this week in the province of Manitoba as Reed Carruthers heading back to the skipper's spot, joining forces with Jason Gunlickson, along with Derek Semigalski and Connor Negevin, form a new team out of Manitoba. And Reed joins us now on the CJOE Sports Show. Welcome to the show, Reed. Hi, Derek. Thanks for having me. So, Reed, uh, first of all, how does it feel to be back skipping again? Uh, well, not quite yet. You still got two events left with uh, the current iteration of Team McEwen, but you'll be heading back to the skipper's chair. Yeah, you bet. Um, and actually, for, for our team, we have the one Grand Slam left. Um, team Gunlitson still has two, as well as some of the other uh, Manitoba uh, women's teams uh, that we've grown accustomed to seeing on the on the uh, national stage. So, Flurry, Team Flurry, uh, Team Anderson, and Team Jones uh, all have those two Grand Slams left. So, how's it going to feel? in these Grand Slam events, knowing that almost all these teams are breaking up. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it is going to be quite unique. Um, what's happened this year is uh, pretty much uh, unprecedented. We've, you know, we really see changes at the end of a four year, we call it quad uh, just because it's based on the Olympic quadrennial. It's going to be four more years until the next uh, winter Olympics. Um, so teams, you know, uh, rejig and, and find, uh, you know, five, find new configurations. But uh, this this quad in particular, there's been, I think someone had said that there was out of the top 16 uh, teams, there was only like two that were staying the same. Um, so there's, been, there's massive change coming and then playing in these last two events, big events, uh, knowing you're not going to be teammates. I think it's going to be a little different, different atmosphere on the ice. When did you know you wanted to skip again? Uh, you know what? Like that's that that's a tough one. Um, it's I, I guess like you know it kind of it's set in stone when you know after we had a bit of a disappointing finish to the Briar. Uh, you know I, I I think it's just kind of one of those uh, understood things that maybe it was time to try something different. Um, you know so. So for me, it's like, well, do I do I try to form um, another team and try to find like another skip or play out of another province to try something different, or do I go back to you know what I felt like I was doing fairly successfully uh, before joining uh, Mike and the rest of the guys on Team McEwen, and that was skipping. So uh, for me, it was you know really it was cemented in stone after the Briar that uh, that's the route I wanted to go. And you've got. Derek Salmagalski still with you. You've been curling with him since, well, 2014-15, and now joining forces with Jason Gunlickson and, and Connor Nagevin. When was the, you have curled with Gunlickson though before? But it was a long time ago, right? Yeah, yeah. And actually, uh, Derek and I had our first three years of men's. Um, you know, we had curled with Jason, so way back to like 2006. Um, when we were 20, 21 years old, we we curled together, and I skipped. Uh, Gunlitson played third and Derek played second. Um, so we have curled together, but it's been a long time um, since we have done that. And, you know, we've been rivals, rivals basically ever since. And just this is kind of one of those things that came together and, 
you know, we, we wanted to give this another chance now that we're obviously more mature, right? So did you reach out to him? How did this work? Yeah, like it's, this is, I think this is, you know, as, as much as, you know, my my team with Team McEwen, it was an amicable, amicable split. I kind of knew that uh, there might be changes brewing uh, with Jason's team. So, you know, I reached out to him, but I think I think that was one of those things where, you know, the phone call was probably going to come my way anyway. So, you know, um, we were both thinking the same thing, and it, it's just it's great that it worked out, and now we're going to have an opportunity come September. So what is he going to bring to your lineup? Uh, well, Jason is very uh, passionate. Uh, you know, he's fiery on the ice. He brings lots of... Uh, Lots of positive energy. Um, you know, he's uh, he's definitely one of those uh, fan favorites. He's fun to watch and fun to, uh, you know, even curl with. Like, I have fond memories of when I did curl with him before. He's a very good teammate on and off the ice. Uh, so I think, like, that passion is something that will be good for, you know, I, I think both myself and for Derek, you know, now that we want to try something different, it might be our last Olympic quad of competitive curling. So, to uh, go out while having some fun with a very passionate guy, I, I, you know, I'm looking forward to it. You, so you do feel like this, this is kind of the last run for you? It could be, you know, like I'm, my wife's due in, in May here. So like the times are changing, um, you know, committing to committing to a four-year quad is something that, uh, you know, now it's, now it's a family decision rather than just a, a read decision. And, and, you know, for me, I'm kind of feeling like at some point uh, it'll be time to try something different. But for now, uh, I feel like I have uh, at least four more uh, years of competitive curling in me uh, before I want to try something different. And uh, I couldn't, you know, think of four guys I want to do that more with. So I've asked you about Jason. How about Connor Nagovin? What does he bring to the squad? Yeah, Connor. Connor's extremely hardworking, you know, um, He's one of those guys that's in fantastic shape, uh, which will be a good motivator for uh, for us uh, as a whole in the group. Um, you know, he's he's probably going to be the most fiery one on the ice, um, and I think I think uh, you know he's going to be the the guy that brings holds us accountable. Uh, and then at the same time, um, you know, I've been I've been really good friends with with uh, Connor for a long time. And and just to have the opportunity to curl with them, I think we're we're both excited for this. Where's the bronze medal from the uh, women's world championships you got? Is it in a in a nice spot in your house? Is it prominently displayed? Yeah, to, to be honest, like the, it's funny that you ask. It's for the first time in oh, I guess fifteen years of of really competitive curling, I've actually put a trophy case together, and uh, yeah, the medal is on display. Uh, as well as some of the other ones that I've achieved over the years, it's it's one that uh, definitely uh, definitely I'll cherish that experience. You know, getting to work with with that team, and you know, to in my in my first uh, Scotties to get to win with the girls, uh, and then you know to to win a bronze medal at the World Championships, uh, I'm, I'm pretty thrilled. With a team like that, that is one three straight Scotties, obviously one of the best teams in the world. How much coaching do you actually do? Um, yeah, honestly, um, it was probably more than I thought. You know, it's 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 not that the girls need coaching per se, but there's just so many things that go on behind the scenes. You know, um, there's from an organization standpoint too. You know, um, there's treatments that need to be planned. Um, you know, massage, physio, chiro. 
uh, making sure they have uh, their their food, water, rested. It's all the organization details that make you really busy. And then I think, you know, as far as like a game plan and assessing strategy and as well as like keeping um, – keeping track of, of all the stones and what stones they should throw it. It's more of like a, an off ice uh, management thing that it is on ice uh, with them. Uh, and then obviously, you know, going out for the timeouts, um, having an opinion um, that will be valid and help them win games is important. And I feel like I, I did, you know, help do that with that team, uh, you know, in those, in those two championships that I went with them to. So uh, yeah, it was a cool experience overall. What did you think of the no tick rule that they have at the Worlds this year? Uh, you know, I, I didn't mind it, but I, I don't think it's something that I want uh, to, you know, to be implemented moving forward. I think the tick shot is something that it's it's a skill. It's a it's a shot that curling players and teams have now mastered, uh, and it, you know it can be used as an offensive shot. I think if they want to try experimenting with rules as far as the limiting the blank ends. In some fashion, I think I'd be more excited for that over the uh, the no tick rule. Do you have any ideas on how to do that? Well, you could uh, just out of the gate, it, you know, you could keep it really simple and say if you blank an end, the hammer flips. Uh, that's essentially what happens in mixed doubles, uh, and there's no blank ends in mixed doubles uh, just because the team that uh, you know has last rock is going to take their point, their one point if the, if uh, if that's the only chance they have. Uh, is to score uh, one. So I think that's one option. Um, you know, you could limit. You could say, you know, you can only blank one end in a row. So you can't have multiple blank ends in a row. Uh, that might help as well. But, um, yeah, I, I think just the experimenting with the with the hammer flipping teams. So let's say, uh, you know, I'm curling against you and, and I blank the first end. Well, the hammer goes to you in the second end. I think it'd be good for some of these bonds fields to try that out as a suggested rule versus the no tick. And what do you think of 10 ends versus eight? Um, I'm a big fan of, of eight. Uh, I think 10 ends, you know, there is some merit to, you know, I guess if you get off to a bad start, you can catch up, but you know, with, with how good the ice makers are now, um, the playing conditions are great out of the gates. There's no reason uh, why, you know, we can't go to war right out of the first end. So I would say, you know, I prefer eight. And one last question before I let you go. I'm just curious, when you don't win the Briar, do you still watch the World Men's? Do you still cheer for Canada? Do you care at all? Oh, 100%, yeah. I don't think there's many uh, competitive curlers that don't have, you know, um, that in them. I, I think most of us, you know, watching watching you know get the thrill and excitement to to cheer on team canada i know definitely when the olympics were on um you know i was up all hours of uh, the night trying to watch uh you know jones and gushu and i was cheering them on um but yeah you know it's the the world bends i have been i have been watching watching it a bit i've been a little bit busier than normal so i haven't watched as much as normal but uh yeah i'm cheering for brad and the team and i hope they can can win a gold Awesome stuff, Reed. Appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this, and uh, best of luck to you and your wife with the baby on the way. All right. Thank you very much, Reed. Take care. It was an incredible season for the Winnipeg Westman women's basketball team. The transfers of Keelan Filowich and Kiana Giles, along with fifth-year Faith Hezekiah, 
created high expectations for the team and they lived up to the hype. They went 14 and two. They made the Canada West final and the national final. They lost both, but still silver medals. It's pretty good. And then yesterday, longtime head coach Tanya McKay announced she was leaving after 26 years to take over the head job at Dalhousie in her native Nova Scotia. Earlier today, I caught up with McKay to talk about her decision and to look back at her time in Winnipeg, starting with the way the season ended with a national silver medal. You know, when you look at the season as a whole, you know, the, the time that we all put in, athletes, staff, the training, the individuals in the weight room, um, you know, the, the conversations we had about uh, being successful and what we needed to do, everybody was on board. So, um, you know, in, in the final game against Saskatchewan and Canada West, that was a tough game. Saskatchewan played very well, but they also had 2,000 screaming fans right behind them. And, and so that was a great experience for the kids. We came up short. It was tough, uh, but a good learning experience going into nationals. And then, you know, in nationals, we had a, we did have a tough road. You know, we, we had to get through Laval and then we had to play Queens in front of their home fans screaming down our backs. Um, so that was a great experience. So getting to the final definitely was where we wanted to be. Unfortunately, we just, we just didn't have enough in the tank to finish it off. Yeah. And that game in Ryerson against Ryerson, they came in undefeated, obviously a very good team. And, and they hit a ton of threes. You guys only hit one all game. It was it as simple as that Queens game kind of emptied the tank for your team, and and they had nothing left against Ryerson. I'm probably going to say it's a combination of not having enough left in the tank because you know we did play well against Queens. We had to hold off, um, you know, because Queens did make a run at the end, um, and the kids played tough that game. But I, I think emotionally too, with the crowd, it was draining. But in that final, you know, I give credit to Ryerson. Ryerson had an undefeated season, and they stepped up in that final game. They played amazing. And uh, so credit to Ryerson because they deserved that win. I mean, as much as I want it for my program and my team and the kids, and our kids gave it everything they had, uh, our tank, you know, did run dry, but Ryerson stepped it up. In that semifinal win over Queens, where it's it's down to the wire, some free throws were missed. It, it's, you know, Queens has a couple shots that maybe would have won it for them. How, as a coach on the sideline, how tense is that for you? <laughs> well, you know, definitely the blood pressure's up. Um, you know, it, those, I mean, those are the games you love to coach. That's what, you know, being in those moments, those high stressful impact moments is, is fun. And, and um, you know, when, obviously when you're on the winning side, it, it's, it's better. Um, but when I think, for example, Faith, you know, Faith stole the moment. She hit a key three uh, that was like five feet outside the three-point line coming down the middle of the floor. And then she hit the two free throws to kind of seal the deal. And, you know, those are the moments you wish for your athletes because they're in those, that high intensity moment and, you know, good for Faith to step up and, and get it done. The news of the week is that you're leaving to go back home to go to Dalhousie. Was this something that you knew you were going to do this season? At what point did this decision come to you that you were going to go back to Nova Scotia? Great question. Uh, the process of going home has been, um, you know, on my mind for a number of years. My my parents are seniors and. And, you know, I'm very close to my mom and, you know, we talk five, six, seven times a day. And, 
and um, I do have siblings. I have a brother in Edmonton and a sister in Ohio. Uh, but it, it, it was important for me to consider coming home at some point. I, I do not want my, my parents going into a nursing home or a care home. And so going home is important for me to take care of them. And so I didn't know when the time would come, but the timing uh, of this, you know, the season, it's been a great season, the timing of the Dow job opening, um, you know, things kind of just fell into place. And, and it was important for me to make the decision this year. My, 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 my mom's health isn't great and I want to be there to support her and, 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 and help her. And so um, that, that's, that's why the decision, I mean, it was a difficult decision, but it was an important decision. Did this season then kind of take on a last dance feel to you? No, I, I never really felt that way. Um, I'm in 110. I mean, everybody knows, you know, how my heart is in it. I wear it on my, my heart on my sleeve and I'm emotional. I'm in it. I'm engaged. And so uh, every practice I went into, every game I coached uh, with my staff, uh, it's, you know, it's like my first year at UWI. Every year, um, I've embraced, and so um, it really didn't hit me until the season was over. You know, after the final game was over, and we were on the plane to return back to Winnipeg. So, when you first came here to to play basketball in the '80s, did you think ever that you'd spend this long in the city of Winnipeg, over 30 years with the Westman? No, I'm going to say no, because when I moved here in August of 86, um, you know, I, I knew I would play my four or five years. I would get my degree. Uh, and back home, both my parents had businesses. My mom had a coffee shop. Uh, my stepfather had a vending machine company. And I got my business degree at UW. So that was kind of my focus. And then, you know, I met Larry in my fourth year. We got married. Uh, we had Josh. And, and things kind of rolled, right? I got hired to coach the women's team. And and so I feel incredibly fortunate to have experienced uh, 36 years at the University of Winnipeg. Five as a player. I, I enjoyed watching my son play five years of volleyball for the University of Winnipeg. And I coached 26. And so, um, yeah, it's been an amazing jersey journey and, and one I'm forever grateful for. What are you going to miss most about Winnipeg when you're gone? <laughs> my son. <laughs> Fair. My boy. My my boy, Josh. Um, yeah, I'm going to miss him. Uh, I and I know I know he's going to come visit me, and I'm going to come visit him, and you know uh, he's going to get married, uh, you know, in another year uh, to his wonderful girlfriend, and I'm going to have babies they're gonna they're gonna have babies i'm gonna be a grandmother someday and you know i can't wait so yes that's that's where my heart is and why was it important for you to to not just move home but still stay involved in basketball in doing so oh you know i feel very fortunate you know the decision to go home is is very important to me to to be there for my parents the opportunity to coach I get to continue doing what I love and, you know, at a, at a great academic institution and, you know, our program right now uh, at Dal is young 
and uh, you know they're coming off uh, you know a zero and eighteen season, and so there's nowhere but up, and so I get to be part of that process, and and that's I'm looking forward to that. Did you have any history with Dalhousie growing up out east? I I actually grew up on the courts of Dalhousie. Um, when I was moving through high school, uh, grade 10, 11, 12, um, you know, as a, as a young basketball player, I lived at the Dalplex and we played rat ball. That's what we called it. We played, we scrimmaged uh, every evening, uh, every weekend, um, you know, in and out of high school season, in and out of provincial team season, like we were in the gym all the time at the Delplex. So yeah, that's kind of crazy that I'm going back there to coach now. Now, food wise, how does the food in Nova Scotia compare to the food in Winnipeg? (laughs) Well, I'm going to be honest. I, there are a few restaurants that I really enjoy in Winnipeg and, uh, but going home to Nova Scotia, Fish and chips, lobster, scallops. Oh my gosh! Like I can't wait to <laughs> feast on seafood. No, I don't, I don't blame you. It's going to be. I'm kind of jealous for you for being able to do that because <laughs> in Winnipeg, it's not when you get a you know a lobster. It's not exactly the most fresh because it's hard to find a place that's <laughs> further away from the ocean, right? Yeah, I, I when I being in Winnipeg, I wouldn't order seafood. Fair enough. Uh, another question, uh, just about uh, this past weekend. Then, seeing the how Faith and Keelan finish off their careers, Keelan gets Player of the Year. Faith is U Sports Female Athlete of the Week, as you mentioned, had that great moment to to win the game against Queens. How satisfying was it to to see them finish off their career, not winning a championship, but at least getting to the national final? The, for the two of them, they've had stellar careers. Um, you know. Uh, I know for both of them, they would trade in all that success for a national championship. And, and you know, they're great kids. They worked hard. We did what we could. Um, but they had stellar careers. And I, uh, they should be proud. And I hope they're proud. You know, um, winning a silver medal is, is still outstanding. Uh, to be top two in Canada, uh, they had a great season. Uh, we stayed in the top ten all year. Um, we only lost to two teams all season and that being Saskatchewan and Ryerson. And, um, I'm really proud of them. And I know that they're both going to go on and play semi-pro somewhere. And that's going to be very exciting. When did you get your voice back? When did I get my voice back? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it stopped cracking. I think Tuesday, Tuesday night. And, and I think by yesterday I was, I was talking back to normal. <laughs> Do you have I, do you have a, a remedy for after a, a weekend of coaching and screaming, or do you just kind of just let it rest? I just let it rest. Uh, you know, it's funny when I started coaching, somebody had shared with me, you need to start yelling from your belly. You got to stop yelling from your vocal cords, and I still haven't changed it, and it's been <laughs> forever. And so, um, yeah, I think it's just gonna it's gonna happen every time I coach. That's just the way it's gonna be now, eh? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Daniel, I'll let you go. Thanks very much for this. And thanks for all the, the time you've given me interviewing you over the years, uh, checking in to, to ask you things before I do play-by-play for the broadcast. It's been a, a pleasure and best of luck as you go back to Nova Scotia here. Thank you so much. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more 
every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect.